Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. I want you to look around. People around you look at them. These are the few, the brave, the faithful, actual Christians. The others are the ones home watching the news. Okay. Um, you all right? Thanks for coming. Glad you're here. I was going to preach whether you came or not. So I'm glad you're here. We'll have more fun together. Uh, so here's the deal. I want to do something a little weird today. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not weird. I don't know. But I, I had this thought process, and, uh, and we're in this series, and I was trying to think, how do I come at this a little differently in case somebody hasn't gotten it yet? And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a little thought uh, experiment with me, okay? And, uh, and let's just try something, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe um, kind of uh, a word. I'm going to give you a word, and I'm gonna, I want you to think, just a little, a little blink, like your quickest like first impression, thought, of a place you've been that this word kind of reminds you of, all right? So, for example, um, where's the most pleasant place you've been? Think about the most pleasant. I want you to tell somebody next to you. The most pleasant place. It's a weird word. I know. It's kind of a wimpy word. I get it. Go ahead. Pleasant. Tell somebody. Okay. All right. What about, what about the um, a happiest place? And if you say Disneyland, I will throw you. Anyway, uh, what's the happiest place you've been? Just think about happy. When you think of a happy place. All right. What about the safest place? The safest place you've been. Yeah. So, um. And I can also extend that, these pictures and who were you with and, and so on. But, but here, here's why I'm doing that, all right? Uh, a couple things. All right, one of them is, uh, so this week I was doing my prayer time. I was sitting down to do my prayer time, write out my prayers, and I'm easily distracted. That's why I write my prayers because, you know, any, you know, flying birds, moving objects, anything, uh, you know, I'm, and so I write out my prayers. But I kept getting this intrusive thought and thoughts that were kind of weird. They aren't super negative. I get those too. But these were just kind of odd. And they were about places I'd been. I was getting little snapshots of places I've been. But accompanying those pictures, those visuals, was the emotion I was feeling in, in the moment, okay? So, for example, <clears throat> and they weren't, like, I've been to, like, really cool places. They weren't great adventures like whitewater rafting, and they weren't, like, uh, the most beautiful places like I've seen or, you know, Himalayas or Safari or something like that. They were, they were um, quiet, pleasant spaces. It was kind of weird. Like, one of them, one of them was that uh, Chelsea and, and Matt and, uh, and Connie and I were traveling, and we just, it was cold, it was rainy, and we had just ducked into a little coffee shop. This coffee shop was kind of weird because it was a, a, a really old, real historic building in which uh, the, probably the main floor is like a flight of stairs up into the grand hallway or whatever, but this was kind of like the delivery entrance underneath that they had renovated, and it was, it was all white plaster, very fresh, and in reality, the, the shop was was probably in what was originally a hallway, you know, something like that. And you just kind of, you got some hot chocolate or, or coffee and, and pastry and you set a little table, which would literally in the back in an actual hallway uh, originally, but it, would be, it was, it was kind of bright and had some fresh wood in there. And they managed to bring some light in through some opaque glass. It was just a beautiful kind of setting. It was just, so, so I was, I'm getting ready to do my prayer time and I'm like, 
Why am I thinking of these kinds of places? I've been in really spectacular places. Why are these kinds of places, like three or four of them, that just, just kind of warm atmospheres, but they weren't outstanding, and they just kind of... And, and so here's my theory, okay? So if we need psych majors, don't spend the rest of time trying to evaluate me. It'll blow your mind. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, this probably isn't true. But I just had this thought. What if sometimes our subconscious brings to mind things that we are needing in that moment? Like, because the day I was having, uh, the day it was starting out to be, and had been preceded by some kind of, not terrible days, but kind of disconnected kind of days, like just stuff, you know what I'm saying? Just like conflicted stuff and, you know, just kind of, and maybe my mind was saying, you need to go have a hot chocolate, you know, in, in, a, in a nice place and just be okay for a minute. You know, does that make sense? Right? So, for example, like when I, when I said safe, like when I think about a safe place, um, I go back to my grandparents lived down in the hills of, of uh, Missouri, and, and, uh, and in, in their house, they had a, a boiler in the main room, uh, but not central heat or anything. And the room that I stayed in didn't have anything. And so they had a pot belly stove. You know what that is? Like fire burning. And, uh, and he would load up the fire and then, and then get it going good and then shut the door. And he would go to his bedroom, Grandpa. Grandpa's a bigger guy than me. And, and my dad would, and mom and dad go to the other bedroom and then I'd be out there next to the next to the crackling fire and I can remember being there on a on a stormy night and it just and I had grandma's quilt that she'd made and the fire's crackling and it just when I think of a safe place that's kind of kind of the environment I think about right so um so it doesn't have to do with anything so I was trying to figure out a way to describe um king uh, living in, in in the kingdom of Jesus in Jesus' kingdom, as, as your king. I was trying to figure out how do I describe that. And theologically, we can come at it and we can say, he is king, he's ruler. And yes, but what does that mean? What is, what is, how do we boil that down? What does that, what does that actually mean? Right, so it was interesting. Uh, so um, I, uh, I was thinking about this week, the uh, uh, last couple of days, and I, uh, a few, many years ago, I called my cousin. He's in uh, South Carolina, and he's uh, a little bit older than me and much smarter than me. And, and so I called him up, and I said, hey, I, I got this thing I'm trying to figure out. Well, by the way, how are you doing? He goes, well, right now, it's a little iffy. And I'm like, what are you, what's going on? And me, uh, in little Southern, Southern California, it never dawned on me that they might be having a hurricane the worst hurricane in years, and he was hunkered down in the basement of a church trying to ride out the storm. It took off all kinds of, it just did all kinds of stuff. You go there, to this day, you'll see the tops of the trees missing. And, and so it was in this terrible storm. Here I am, little oblivious California. How you doing? Ah, uh, it's a hurricane. And I, and I was just thinking, how could it be that he is in a very precarious situation, hunkered down in a basement of a church, and I am oblivious. I am clueless to this thing. So this week when we started getting the news about what was going to happen here today, the terrible, awful, horrendous <laughs> thing that was going to happen here today, I began to think about where would you like to ride out a storm? Like say it was an actual hurricane, not like a West Coast hurricane. Uh, I know, I'm being cynical. I am cynical. Um, about this kind of stuff. Uh, so, but what if you were actually in a hurricane, like a real hurricane, where would you want to hunker down? Not only where, but who would you want to be with? Now, as you've just seen, I, I'm a little skeptical about how severe this is going to be, okay? I mean, I, I guess, did anybody go get water yesterday? Come on. Anybody fill up your gas tank? Anybody buy toilet paper? 
Now, see, we have come to a place here that we know how severe things are. What people's mindset is, is how empty the toilet paper shelves are. And you're giggling, but I guarantee you they're empty at every store. I guarantee you that. I saw the lines at Costco yesterday. You guys were prepping, man. And so I want to be cynical and I want to laugh at all you guys and all the people getting toilet paper stuff. But then I had this terrible thought, what if? What if for once the weatherman was right? He's not lying to me. After 30 years, he got one right and it's awful. So I thought, well, okay, I shouldn't be so cynical, I guess. But I think some of us uh, go through life that way, but that's a different sermon. So, um, all right, how about this? Try this on. What if those images of the place you want to be And the person you would like to most be with in every circumstance is the kingdom and Jesus. What if the place is always the kingdom? And what if the person you always want to be with is the king? The kingdom and the king. You see, I think sometimes that there are urges, there are desires, there are hints within us that tell us what we really need, but we don't look deep enough. So, for example, me wanting to hunker down next to the fireplace at my grandpa's house is a wonderful picture of a place. But grandpa's gone. The house is a dump. I looked at it last time I was in that part of the country. It's not, it's not a place long term. It was a moment. It was a snapshot in a little coffee shop where we stopped in. I don't even know if they make pastries anymore. The reality is, but what if it's not a place we're looking for? It is not a physical location, but it is a place, a belonging place in the kingdom of God. What if what we're all desiring is that place of safety, that place of celebration, that place place of whatever it is, it's in the kingdom and it's always with Jesus. What if that's what we're really looking for? What if that is the point of the kingdom of God is to live in that place with that person every day, all the time, everywhere you go? What if that's what the kingdom of, of God is like? Does that make sense? those desires. For, and some of you are unaffected by, you know, kind of your surroundings and the environment, ambiance, you could care less. I understand. There's some of us who are very aware of those kinds of things. And for us, maybe that's a way to understand the kingdom is that I am surrounded by the perfect ambiance all times, the ambiance of protection and safety and security and provision and all that God wants to bring in my life. And that's what the kingdom looks like. When life is tough, who do I want to hunker down with? I want to hunker down with the person who has the ability to get me through it. Right? So King Jesus. See, sometimes I think we, we understand King Jesus in theological terms and in terms of duty and responsibility. Well, if he's king, I probably ought to bow down. But no, 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 don't enter the kingdom that way. I don't think you can, but don't even try. The way to enter the kingdom is, oh my goodness, the king called my name and he's invited me. The king has called my name and he's invited me into his presence, not just into his presence, but into a relationship with the king. Every day I get to be in his presence with that relationship, no matter what it is I'm facing personally, I'm gonna be with the king. You see, it's a different kind of approach. It's not a have to, it's a want to. (laughs) It's not a duty, it is a privilege. I think I grew up in a church where they probably taught this, but I probably didn't catch that part because I was so filled with guilt and shame for my own self-destructive behavior. Because I heard a lot of, you shouldn't. (laughs) But in reality, in the kingdom is, he can, (laughs) he will. 
There's a lot of that. So today I want to kind of talk about this Christ as King, maybe a little review and then maybe give you some new thoughts from Scripture. I think there are three things you need to realize about the kingdom. First of all, is you're going to serve somebody. Cody's talked a lot about that the last couple of weeks. Don't be naive and think you're not. You are going to serve somebody. Um, in Joshua, it kind of lays out, it's fairly binary. I know we don't like that word these days so much, but it's third service. I might say anything. And it's just us. It's, there are two kingdoms, right and wrong, good and bad. Jesus and everything else. Two kingdoms. That's all there is. And we live in a world where we kind of buttress our own sinfulness, our own selfishness, our own selfish desires, the desire to want to be the kings of our own kingdoms. We kind, of, we kind of buttress that by supporting with all kinds of, you know, intellectual tricks that we play. Okay, no, there's two kingdoms, right and wrong, period. We even try to say, well, there's not even actually an absolute right. Yeah, there's an absolute right. It's always wrong to abuse a child, period. Always. There's never an exception to that, ever, because there's right and wrong. And the reality is there's two kingdoms. And we need to come to grips with that. And, and maybe because you live in America, you live in the West, you've kind of convinced yourself there's not evil in the world. There is evil. It might be a little bit disguised around here. There's evil in the world. And it's just as dark as anywhere else. We just kind of dress it up and make it look good. And here's what Joshua says. Joshua, so, so Moses gets children of Israel out of Egypt, no longer to be slaves, but they got a slave mentality. They won't choose to follow God. They still fall prey to the slave mentality. They still, still think, have too much of the old kingdom thinking and not enough of God thinking. And so they won't go to the promised land because they don't trust God. And God says, fine, die in the desert. Next generation comes along. And Joshua gets the leader in the promised land. But he says, no, 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 before we go, you need to make sure you're in the right kingdom. Make sure you're not thinking old thoughts, old ways, old habits, old fears, old scarcity mentality. That's got to go. You got to get on God's page. You got to be in his kingdom. He's got to be the ruler. Here's what it sounds like. One of my favorite passages, by the way, the most important decision you ever make is what it says in Joshua 24. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the most important decision. You're going to serve somebody. And if you choose not to choose, you've chosen there's only good and bad. Choose good. Choose God. It's a better choice. In the long run, it's a better choice. Here's what it says in Ephesians, in case you doubt that there's not evil at work. Um, Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you think all those bad thoughts you have are just thoughts and came from nowhere? All right, so I was watching a movie this week, and uh, it was a shoot 'em up movie. I like shoot 'em up movies if they're not too realistic. And, uh, and, and, and I, just, I, I don't know if it was a shoot 'em up movie because I didn't watch it long enough. I thought it was going to be a shoot 'em up movie. And about a minute and a half into this movie, and I joined it partway through it, about a minute and a half into this movie, there was introduced a scene of such evil that I not only did I immediately click it away because I don't want that crud in my brain. But I began to wonder what kind of person even thought to put this on the screen. How depraved do you need to be to even portray this? How do you even come up with this? I'm thinking, I don't want to be you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be in your neighborhood. I feel bad that you even exist if you can think of this kind of junk. 
But here's the deal. We kind of want to go through life and it's all good. It's okay. We don't need a king to protect us or guide us. We don't know it's all good. No, no, you don't understand the level of evil at work in the world. Quit bemoaning the political situation and look around and realize that evil is winning in many places, in many cases. You look at homelessness. You look at sex trafficking. You look at child abuse. That is not bad psychology and bad upbringing. That is evil. And so when we kind of wink at evil, whether it be in our world, our society, our own lives, we are taking sides and we're on the wrong side. You see, even in our thought process, I don't want to watch that movie anymore because I don't want that crud in my brain. It's another word I wanted to use there, but crud is close enough. I didn't want it in my brain because that's not of the kingdom of God. And we choose, we choose kingdoms. We choose them once when we make Jesus Lord of our life and king. And then we choose them every time we pick a thought. The Bible says, capture every thought and look at it. Decide which kingdom it belongs to. And if it's not of God's kingdom, chuck it out. You don't need it. The reality is there is a battle. There are kingdoms in conflict in our world and we must choose which side we're on. And to say you're going to sit it out, there is no Switzerland in the spiritual kingdom. You're either on God's team or you're not. It's harsh. I understand. It's, it's offensive. I understand. And yet it's real. Here's what it says in Colossians. For he has rescued us from the kingdom, the dominion, same word, kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This word, this word dominion here, it's like influence. It's like kingdom. It's like who's leading, directing, guiding, influencing. He says that when you choose God, he takes you out of that influence, out from under that rulership. And he puts you in his kingdom under the rulership, the kingship of his son, if you think about the outcomes of those two kingdoms and where they lead you, they lead you to very different places. So, once again, we need to realize we're going to serve somebody. Choose intentionally. Be intentional about who you're going to choose. Second thing you need to realize is there's a good king. A part of why we all carry with us rebellion inside of us is because we have a fallen nature since Adam and Eve, but also our experience has confirmed what our fallen nature wanted to believe all along, which is that kings are evil. <laughs> you're not the boss of me. Within all of us, there's, you're not the boss of me. Part of that is our fallen nature. Part of it is anybody who was ever the boss of us wasn't perfect. They weren't even good most of the time. And when we come to grips with Jesus as king, we have to come to grips with that he is a good king, not just better than average. He is perfect. He is the perfect king. He not only knows you, he loves you and created you and knows what's inside of you, the potential, the opportunities, all the stuff that's going to come down. He knows all of that and he wants what's best for you more than you even want what's best for you. And when you realize that that's who the king is, to bow down and to accept that person as the authority in your life, it makes perfect sense. It's not illogical in any way. Anything else would be illogical. It would be short-sighted. It would be to be driven by your urges or the immediacy of whatever it is you want. But if we are to understand that there is a God and this God created us and that he is a good God and he wants to be in charge of our life, the only reasonable thing to do is to say, yep, I'm down for that. 
Because it's the only way to live. Like Peter, where else are we going to go? See, we want a king, whether we acknowledge it or not. But we're not sure we want to put up with everything we have to put up with, like being obedient to the king. Part of that is just our fallen thinking that I know better. See, that's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Does God really know better? But does he really? Yes, he does. He not only knows better, he wants better. We try to kind of assuage our, our thoughts by saying, well, I, I believe in a God who is all love. Well, then I know which kingdom you're in. Because in Jesus' kingdom, there is love and justice. We say, well, that's so harsh. It's so primitive. Wake up. There's a real world, real stuff happening in the world. There's a real conflict of kingdoms. Don't, don't kid yourself. Don't be naive. The reality comes when we admit that we need the king. <laughs> Every parent knows what defiance looks like. Defiance is not just disobedience. It's disobedience plus. Do you know what I'm saying? That little kid not only doesn't do what they're supposed to do, they look in the eye and tell you they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. Honey, put the back. No. Right? Every dad. Eyebrow goes up. You know why? Because you're about to go to war. You're about to go to war with this little tiny mind. This little tiny mind is trying to figure out what they can get away with because you know what? They're in rebellion. They are. You think your child's not capable of it. They are. If you think it's not going to happen to you, <laughs> come call me when it happens. I'll, I'll talk you through it. Because you're in a war. It's a war about whose will is going to win. Their little silly one that wants to run in the street and put their fingers in light sockets? <laughs> or yours, which knows what's better? Hmm, could there be a parallel there? The reality is we say to God, I want to put my finger in the light socket. You're not the boss of me. God is not angry at you. He is sad for you. Why would you want to do that? Why do you want to live in defiance? of the one who loves you, the one who created you, the one who came and died on the cross for you. Why would you want to do that? Because you're afraid he won't do what's best in your life? Because you're afraid the outcomes under him will be worse than the outcomes under your rulership? I, I remember King Doyle. The kingdom was a mess. It was bad. And anytime Doyle tries to creep back up on the throne, it starts getting ugly again. Doesn't take long to remember. Defiance didn't work out so well. What works out is being a citizen of the kingdom and being obedient to the king because he just knows better. Life just works better. We must come to realize that we need, we need the king. The reality is that we think the living without God will provide us freedom when in reality the very freedom that we sought will enslave us to our urges, to our desires, to some popular philosophy, whatever it might be. You want to be free, the Bible says this, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. We must acknowledge we need a king. We need a ruler over our life. He knows more. He knows better. He knows everything. And we must choose the king. By the way, the most amazing thing is that in choosing the king, in choosing to serve the king, in choosing to to say, my life is yours, and, and you be in charge, 
we, and I'll serve you, whatever you want. We must remember that we are not just paying him back for what he's done for us. What he's done for us is more than we could ever pay back. You see, when I was yet a sinner, he died on the cross for me. He served me first and he serves me more and he serves me best. See, the king came to serve you, to serve you freedom, to serve you forgiveness, to serve you a different kind of life, to set you free. It's always ironic when I think about salvation in my own life. And I remember I was living in Doyle's kingdom, but I knew God's kingdom was there. And so I wanted some of God's kingdom, but I still wanted some of Doyle's kingdom. And so I chose God's kingdom. And, but then I couldn't, and I, be, and I would try to live in both kings. And eventually, like at my age, this right here is fairly uncomfortable. <laughs> eventually that gets pretty uncomfortable. You see, I want to suggest to you that there is a, an inner dissonance, um, a, a, a mental anguish that comes with trying to be your own king. Because you've got to carry with you the shame, the denial of whatever caused the shame, the hope that nobody finds out the truth about you, even as you're, and a hope that the, 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 the social media makes your life look great because you know in fact that it's not. And so there's a whole lot of pretending, a whole lot of projecting, a whole lot of mental anguish. And I'll tell you what brought me back to Jesus was I was tired of trying to pretend that Doyle's kingdom was working. Doyle's kingdom was empty. Oh yeah, there were some fun times for about an hour or two. <laughs> but the next morning always came along. You see, Doyle's kingdom wasn't working. And I didn't just want a part of God's kingdom. I knew that I had to get all the way in his kingdom. I had to get over here and stay away from that. That stuff was self-destructive. That stuff wasn't doing me any good. Anybody else could. See, what brought me back wasn't the fear of hell. And I was a little afraid of hell, but you could, you could get rid of that in different ways. What I was afraid of was that I was going to waste the potential and the opportunity of being on this earth that God intended for me. Only in his kingdom could I become the person I was created to be, understand why I have certain gifts and abilities and passions. Only in his kingdom could those be used for anything that matters for eternity. It was only in his kingdom over here I was just going to use people and abuse people and myself. And when we step into his kingdom, we choose, I'm in your kingdom now. I'm not in both. It doesn't work. Jesus, I'm in your kingdom. Be the king of my life. Be in charge of my life. I choose you as my king we choose the king, and he loves us. Here's what it is. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, before that, I lived my will be done. My kingdom come. See, there's a big difference. My kingdom come, my will be done is headed this way. <laughs> thy kingdom come, thy will be done is headed this way. One goes to heaven, one goes to destruction. It's a choice. You got to make that choice. The reality is, is that we will choose. And who you choose to be king of your life determines how your life will go, now and forever. Realize it's your choice. You can make a choice. Don't act like you're not, you don't have a choice. You do. And if you don't take it seriously, it's still a choice. But here's what's wonderful, is if you choose the good king, you'll have a good life. I didn't say easy. I didn't say perfect. I said good. You see, the Bible talks again and again, the kingdom of God is like 
You see, I'm not the only one who has ever tried to figure out how to explain to someone what the kingdom feels like. I explained in terms of a, a bedroom with a, with a wood-burning fire at Grandpa's house or a coffee shop with some great pastries. <laughs> Those are just so weak. I get it. I understand. But even, even in Scripture, you find the authors of Scripture writing, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and here's one of them. It's found in Romans 14. <clears throat> and there's some squabble going on about religion. The former Jews who became Christians taught those who were, who were Gentiles who became Christians they should not eat, they should follow the dietary laws. Silly squabble about silly things. And here's what the answer is in Romans. For the kingdom of God is not about a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If for no other reason being in his kingdom, these three ought to be enough. And if you go through scripture, just look, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, there's all kinds of explanations. But just look at this one, just for today. Just this one, just briefly. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wrong kingdoms worrying about food, drink, stuff of this world. It says righteousness. Righteousness is being made right with God. It's, 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 it's not about religion or human effort. It is about saying I realize I've been in the wrong kingdom. I've been trying to build kingdom Doyle. And I want to be in, in kingdom of heaven, of God. I want Jesus to be my king. I, I, want, I want to be made right with God. You see, when I was living over here, I always knew that I couldn't really talk to God because I was too ashamed. Because I knew there was a God. I never doubted there was a God. I just fought his will for my life for a while. And I couldn't talk to him. But when I finally said, I'm in your kingdom, please forgive me and be in charge. There is nothing. Have you ever been in a fight with someone? Like if you have a sibling, you know what this is like, hopefully. The fighting part, you do know what it's like. But the reconciliation part, when you finally come to someone or a spouse or a parent, you go, you know, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And they say they're sorry. And you hug it out and you are made right. There's nothing like being made right with God. When I am right with God, I'm not trying to project anything. I'm not trying to protect the shame or the hurt or the whatever and drag the stuff along with me. I'm just here. It's just me before God. And you ever heard things are right with the world? That's what this is about. Things are right in heaven with me and with God. I'm righteous. Not that I'm perfect. It's about being right with God. There is nothing better than being right with God. That's what being the king was like. I am in this place with this person and it is right. My mom's a mid-80s now, a little crumpled little old lady. And uh, she has terrible arthritis and all of her joints and fingers and everything. And, and, uh, and uh, my mom and dad, uh, when my dad was alive, they, they uh, uh, were at my brother's church. And uh, my dad, his place to serve was out on the out on the uh, entryway, the sidewalk. He would greet everybody as they came in. He'd been a pastor forever. And when he died, they wanted to build a statue to him uh, out there. And my brother said, we're not Catholic, so we're not doing that. But, but I think St. Norman was a possibility. But, um, and so everybody knew my dad. I loved my dad. But my mom had a very different kind of influence. My mom, rather than being out front and seeing everybody, and she would be in the back of the auditorium sitting back here in a little chair and just sweetly smiling at everybody. And, and everybody thought, oh, she's just such a sweet old lady. And they don't know my mom. <laughs> Let me give you an example. I may have shared this one time before, but it wasn't long ago. There was a, a young man that she had known for a long time. And he was uh, in mid-40s, a couple kids, wife, job. She had known him for a long time, but she had noticed over the past few months he'd been making some bad decisions. 
and, and hanging around with some people that probably weren't going to get him where he needed to go and just started down the wrong path. And so one morning after church, everybody's leaving and she spotted him and she told him, come here. And he came over and she said, here, sit down by me. And he sat down, said now, and she called her my name, said now, you know I love you, right? Oh, I love you too, Mrs. Surratt. And, and you know, we've, we've cared about you for a long time. We love your wife and kids. Yeah, I need to say something to you. You're not living right. You need to straighten up and live right. Because the path you're on right now is going to destroy your marriage. It's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy you financially. And I know it all looks shiny and bright right now, but you're on a wrong path. You need to live right. You understand? I love you. Okay, you can go. If you've never been dressed down by an 83-year-old arthritic little lady who's got the power of the Holy Spirit working through her, you don't know what you're missing. You see, the reality is that she cares so much for this young man and his wife and his kids that she, she knew nobody else would call him out. But she knew he was doing bad things and there were going to be bad outcomes. You see, what the Holy Spirit does for us, my mom's name is Etta June because she's a hillbilly. And uh, what the Holy Spirit does is what Etta June does. Holy Spirit says, son, come here, sit right here. I need to talk to you about that stuff you've been watching. I need to talk to you about that attitude you've started to carry. I, I, I need to talk to you about some of those ambitions you're starting to harbor. Because they're not of God. They're not right. They're not going to turn out well. You're starting to think the wrong kingdom thoughts. And the Holy Spirit said, now let's get back over here. Let's get back in line. And let's be who God wants us to be. You see, that's what righteous living looks like. And it's the most freeing thing in the world. Who the son sets free is free indeed. That's how he sets us free. From all the temptations that we would step into that would enslave us. Righteousness and peace. You see, being at peace with God provides for us peace from God. The Bible says that we're in right relationship with God. You're no longer at war with God, so you're at peace with God. And in that circumstance, he then gives you peace, according to Scripture, that passes understanding. It's beyond your circumstance. Peace isn't about having your ducks lined up, because they don't ever stay lined up. Peace is about knowing that you're right with God, no matter what comes, no matter what happens, you're good. Even death itself can't take you out of that zone. Peace with God. Peace from God allows you to have peace with others, other people of God. The reality is, is that if it were just righteousness and peace alone, it's worth being in the kingdom for. Throw in heaven just for fun. Throw in purpose. Throw in meaning. Throw in significance. Throw in that other stuff just for fun. Righteousness and peace alone, not to mention joy. Joy. Joy is kind of an inner knowing that it's going to be okay. Joy is, it's not like happiness, which is circumstantial and momentary. Joy is a, a deep knowing at the core of who I am that because I'm in his kingdom, he's in charge of the outcomes and nothing can come against me that he's not in charge of. Nothing can destroy me. I'm okay. There's a, a saying about an old preacher. Someone uh, once said, and I just want to read it because I want to I I get it right because I, I love this so much. It should be true of all Christians. Here it is. His smiles were fraught with greater meaning than his sermons. He knew something other people didn't seem to know. 
He knew that no matter what circumstance, what challenge, whatever, he knew it was okay. God was in charge of the outcome. If you think about Paul, Paul wrote about, wrote about joy all the time, usually chained to a soldier and in jail. You see, over here, I could try to build my kingdom, but over here, I can build his kingdom, and that's what I was made for, and that's what brings purpose to my life, and that's what brings real joy, is knowing that my life matters. Otherwise, over here, I'm just another ant on the hill trying to climb to the top, no matter what, how many other ants I got to step on. Over here, I'm a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom, and whatever effort I make and whatever impact I have, it will be forever because of God's goodness. There is joy in that. Make King Jesus your king today because you need to, because you want to, because you'll never be sorry you did because he's the one who can do what you need done in your life and in my life. Don't listen to those around you who deny the existence of the king. We try to put up all kinds of barriers, all kinds of distractions. At the end of the day, when you lay your head down to go to sleep, is there righteousness, peace, and joy in your heart? If there is, you're in the right kingdom. If there's not, you spend some time with God. You need to make a choice. You need to change kingdoms. Not because I say so. I just told you what a mess I am. But thank goodness, this mess is living for Jesus because he's in charge. You should invite him to be in charge of your life too. It's the best way. It's the only way. Let's pray. Lord God, today I submit my life to you. You are my king. You're not a consultant. You're not an advisor. You are my king. I submit my life and I ask for your help that I might obey you every single day. You have chosen what is right and what is wrong and I want to agree with you at every turn. Lord God, I rely on you as my king, to bring me all of those things that I can't somehow accomplish on my own, the, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, all of the fruit of the Spirit. Lord God, those are gifts from you. Even joy itself comes from your Holy Spirit. And I expect you, Lord God, to be who you are, to be the great king, to do more with me, my humble efforts, more with my frail person, my frail character, more with everything that I have, than I ever could on my own because you're the great king. You're the good king and I expect good from you because that's all you can give me. Today I pray for anyone who's here who hasn't come to understand you as king, as more than an advisor, more than a consultant, but as the one who needs to rule their life because that's the best way to live now and forever. Lord, I pray that today they would not hear my words and be offended by my words or my attitude, but they would hear your words and deal with them as a loving invitation for the Almighty King. Lord, we pray for the safety of our communities, for the safety of our area, and for the safety of the people around us over this next couple of days. And we pray that you and your presence will be very evident in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here. Have a great week. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.